You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show rolling on here. Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody along with me. Coming along from you from the D... Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We should install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. And we go back down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we are joined by the commissioner and co-founder of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, the number one pro basketball league in the country of Canada. Mike, how are we doing on this Wednesday, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? Oh, doing, oh, doing amazing right now. Uh, I want to say congrats on signing the, the six-year extension to stay on as the commissioner of the league. That takes you through to the end of the 2028 season. That'll make you the second longest standing commissioner of a pro sports league in Canada. Uh, of course you wanted to envision all the best, but going back to 2018, did you envision that 10 years down the line that we'd still be rolling with the CBL, the EBL, and I'd be the commissioner still? No, <laughs> I think in my wildest dreams, you know, I, uh, it, it's a great um, honor for me to be continue to be part of this. And, you know, it's funny when, when I look at where we're at now, where we've come from and, and where we intend to go, it's, it's really been uh, quite incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really proud of, of the work that's been done and the work that's in, you know, in the works now to be done in the future. And, uh and another great news today with Calgary signing yeah. their their very first GM. So it kind of works so great. There's a lot of great stuff happening, but it's been definitely been a, a journey and it just a, a really memorable one. Yeah, Shane James uh, named the uh, first general manager of the Calgary Surge, and of course uh, we'll get into the Surge talk here uh, right away. So pro basketball's found its way back to Calgary. Of course, it was in the form of an ABA team the last time it was here, but it's going to be the CEBL's Calgary Surge after they relocated from Guelph last summer. Uh, they're getting the, uh, getting ready to set their tip-off up in the late May here. May 27th will be the home opener. Uh, how are things going in, in the city? How are you, how are you, how are you feeling about uh, the Calgary franchise? Uh, I'm feeling tremendous. Um, you know, since we launched in Calgary, there's been a been a buzz. Uh, the you know, from a season ticket uh, deposit campaign has mm-hmm. been tremendous. It has really done incredibly well, and a lot of that goes, you know, obviously the strength of what we've been able to build, but obviously being able to find the right partners uh, in town with with Usman and with Jason and the extended team that they're building. So having that connection to the community is really important uh, in professional sports and being able to, you know, be found in the community and be relevant and be helpful uh, is all part of growing a successful league and successful teams. And and they've certainly taken the ball and, and ran with it. Now, I'm sure you're going to be hoping to see a little bit of a Battle of Alberta basketball style with the Surge and Stingers. Uh, you probably know a thing about being in a two, you know, two regional rivalries like you were with the Argos and, and Thai Cats. I, I certainly do. I know what it's like to be on both sides. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we start the season off, or, or you know, the Surge start the season off traveling to Edmonton uh, to, to play and, and, you know, returning the favor, you know, a day or two later uh, back in Calgary. So, you know, the rivalries that are now exist because of how the league is structured and our conference model and truly being in all these major metropolitan cities ha- has really helped um, – you know, just make these things become natural. So, you know, they're already inherently built into a lot of our mm-hmm. rivalries that are they're now, you know, the ones that you see in the CFL and new ones that are being created like Brampton and Scarborough uh, here in Ontario. So, you know, I think all that, that planning and, and the, 
the realignment and, and finding our way and getting into major markets has really opened the door to a lot of these things that come natural in professional sports that because they've been around for so long and we're just happy to be part of it. You mentioned that the, the, it's entering the fifth year of existence, the CEBL. You're adding a couple new markets in Calgary and Winnipeg, getting, uh, getting the Sea Bears this year. Uh, now, uh, the league was still growing. You went through a global pandemic and everything. You played during the, the, the first league back after the pandemic as well. But how happy are you with how things have gone? Not, But just speak to the, how good that the CEB, CEBL is doing for not only these markets that they're in, but just more as a, a basketball, as a product in this country. Well, I think that's the most important thing is, you know, what is the league doing to raise the, mm-hmm. the, the tide for all basketball and the whole basketball ecosystem? Because it is, you know, it has been fragmented for years because of a lack of a real true, you know, domestic league, I would say. If you look all over the world, the, 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 the countries with the, you know, the best rankings in, in, in FIBA, which is the, you know, the, the game that's played most widely everywhere mm-hmm. are, are leagues or teams and countries that have strong domestic leagues. And they seem to be the pillar or the shining star that aligns everybody underneath together. And, and that's really what we've been able to accomplish. It wasn't our goal. It was part of just doing things the right way and hoping that others would recognize that and follow. So We've been able to establish that, and now we get to establish it in new markets in different parts of the country and really create you know, more and, and bigger fan bases. We're just, you know, we had a great game last night. Yeah. We play internationally now. Uh, I had a game against Nicaragua last night in Brampton, kind of a chance for the, those fans to get used to that new team going there. So it's not just about what we're doing uh, in Canada for the game, but what we're doing and what we're exposing uh, in terms of Canadian basketball and Canadian basketball players, you know, all over the world as well. Yeah, well, well I'll get to that game last night right, right here. So they've done, the league's done great for, for Canada basketball overall, and you see with that, with with having the league champions like like Brampton face off against other teams around North America. Like last night, they were take, uh, Brampton was taking on Real uh, Esteli out of Nicaragua. They unfortunately lost, but this has been a thing going for the last few years. I know Edmonton was in it as well. It's called the... Uh, the CBL or the BCL Americas tournament. So that's like a Champions League involving like FIBA teams from like obviously not NBA teams, but from around uh, North America. It is actually the it's the highest level of competition at the club level okay. in FIBA for the Americas. So okay. it is the champions of all twelve respective uh, leagues across North, Central, and South America. So we're in a grouping with Mexico and Nicaragua. Last year, we were in a grouping with Nicaragua and Puerto Rico, but there's also teams from Argentina, Uruguay, Mm -hmm. Brazil, um, and and many different uh, countries all over the world, uh, specifically in the Americas. So it's a great opportunity for us. We're at a bit of a disadvantage because it is our off-season. The majority of our players are now playing, you know, either in the NBA, the G League, or overseas. But it's still a great test for us to go out and compete against you know, teams that play together, have huge salaries and, and, you know, a lot of money to work with and national team members all across the board. So to be able to compete and specifically this, this group stage, you know, we said we're going to go all Canadian and we're just yeah. going to put, uh, you know, guys on the floor that really understand how important this is to them, to the league, to the, to the, to the country, to the city. And they, they put on a, a tremendous outing, had a rough start down about 24 at one point. I was a little worried, but came back to pull within four late at the end and lost by six. But that exposure when we go and travel uh, into the Americas and when the Americas come here is yeah. really just another building block for the game itself. 
Uh, someone listening to the, right, this interview right now, they, they might have got season tickets for the Surge. And generally, you know, the CEBL, it's your standard pro basketball game. That is until the target score ending takes over. Can you explain <laughs> what that is? I know it's been used in the basketball tournament. It's been used in other uh, tournaments around the, around the globe. But t- you're the first pro league to institute it for sure. Yeah, we were the first pro league going into our, I guess it's going to be our fourth season using the the target score ending, also mm-hmm. known as the Elam ending. Yes. And it is just a, it's a way to end the game. And I think we're all familiar with watching NCAA or NBA games or mm-hmm. any, any basketball game, really, that in the final couple minutes, if it's a close game or it's a blowout, it just becomes, you know, hack-a-shack and, you know, stalling and plays. Yeah. And that two minutes can take half an hour. Um, the target score eliminates the game clock. So at the first stoppage under four minutes in the final quarter, the game clock goes off and then a target score is added. In our case, it's nine points to the leading team. So if Calgary is winning against the the Sea Bears, 80 to 71 going into target score time, then the target becomes 80 plus nine, so 89, Mm -hmm. and both teams race to that score. The beauty of it, it becomes a very free-flowing game. There isn't a lot of fouling because now points are very important. You don't want to get guys on the line. Yeah, exactly. So it becomes a very defensively uh, tough and physical game. You, it's almost like backyard basketball next bucket wins. Yeah. And every game ends on a winning bucket or a winning score, and the excitement that creates is is really interesting so much that the NBA G League has adopted the rule this year. So it's always good to be ahead of the NBA. Of course, yeah. I'm very, very happy we were able to take a risk and do it. And it's made for, you know, specifically for us, some excellent finishes, including a just an unbelievable uh, championship game last year where the uh, shooting stars almost came back to win it uh, down 17 going into Elam. So uh, it, it's been fun and it's something we we're looking to build on again this year. No, for sure. That that is one way to definitely uh, like, cause I know like fourth quarter late in games, Destiny March Madness timeout, timeout. And I, I totally yeah. get it with that two minutes turning into a half hour. Uh, we're talking with Mike Morreale, commissioner and co-founder of the CEBL. Uh, now Lee, uh, Mike, Newfoundland had a team last year, the Growlers, also owned by their ECHL team. They, they're they no longer around because of venue issues. Are venues ultimately going to be the main concern when looking towards new cities to grow the CEBL? Like, yeah, 10's a nice round number. I think we, we all want the CFL to get to that 10 nice round number to help with scheduling. But do, do more teams mean uh, more opportunity to grow the league? And can that benefit for all parties? Or are you looking at more just beyond the 10? Or are you like the 10 right now? We're very comfortable with 10 right now. We're yeah. very happy, certainly with our, our conference model, what that allows us to do. Uh, it opens up some more dates so we can move to it. Maybe you're at a 20-game schedule now, move up to a 24 or yeah. a 28 or a 26-game schedule in the future. So that's all part of the plan of, of doing that and having those rivalry games and rivalry playoffs. And, but for expansion, we are looking to get to 14 to 16 teams. Yeah. And maybe the magic number will be 15, and we get to a, an east, west, and central division and look at places like Victoria or Kelowna or Regina or uh, Quebec City. And, of course, you know, return to the Maritimes at a point in which we feel mm-hmm. like we're ready to go there. There's, there's you know, a lot of politics that happen out there that make of it course. a little bit more difficult sometimes to, to, to get things done. But, you know, facilities do play a major part. And one of the reasons it took us a bit of time to get to Calgary was finding a suitable facility. We feel that Winsport uh, is a great place for us, and we tested out last, last year in our uh, FIBA games mm-hmm. we had in the offseason. 
Um, but, you know, my mid to long term goal is to really, you know, work with governments and lobby to get purpose built facilities built across the country. No different than what we've invested in hockey and not just for basketball, but for all indoor sports. There's a very big lack of available space for any of these uh, indoor sports to yeah. play. So that would really not only help the CBL, of course, but help you know all indoor sports at that level. Do you have conversations with the other pro leagues in Canada, like the CPL and the, CFA, C, uh, the CPL and the CFL, on how to go about operating a a, a single sports league in, in Canada? Obviously, we know it's a small country. It's it's a lot tougher to operate things here. It is, and I mean, remember, for the longest time, the CFL was the only domestic yeah. league in the country, and so a lot of the learnings come from the CFL, and and rightfully so. And the CPL and us have a great relationship. We started the same time, launched the same yep. time. Obviously, the principles are very similar to the people that I've worked with uh, in in the CFL. So there's a good relation there. I think we complement each other very nicely and support each other very nicely. Uh, and, and with the CFL, the same way. I think there's a lot of you know understanding of what it takes to to run a sports league in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's a big country, yeah. it's a vast country, and it's, you know, not overly populated like like the U.S. is. So it has some trials and tribulations. As a matter of fact, Randy Ambrosi and I sat down for lunch about a month ago and awesome. just caught up and got speaking about this stuff because, you know, I, I think it's important that we all work collectively um, because if they do well, we do well. If sports mm-hmm. in Canada are thriving, we all thrive. So, I, I'm all for continuing the, the relationships, the great relationships we have, and continuing to grow them. You want to talk about maybe another relationship, and if the if it has one, I know we've seen guys go, especially during the during the last, uh, we leave the two years ago or last year even when the when you saw some CEBL players go down to the NBA and get some like ten day workouts. Is there a relationship with the NBA, and even if the G League, or is there something that you guys want to work in the future together? Well, yeah, we've been very fortunate as as our players. We've had players sign uh, nine players sign NBA contracts mm-hmm. in the last year, so that's uh, certainly exciting and, and great for them, and something we applaud. Uh, our relationship with the NBA is is growing. Obviously, with the Raptors being here, it's yeah. it's easier for us to have that relationship. Our relationship with the G League is is really interesting because that continues to grow. We have a lot of players that go back and forth. We had about 40 players play from the G League in our league last year and um, and had about 28 go back uh, to the G League this year from our league. So it's it's great because it we're all playing in North America. There's a comfort mm-hmm. level there for a lot of players and imports and U.S.-born players that Canada is a destination. Obviously, playing in the spring and summer is a great time to come to Canada, and, and that's also something that attracts them. But the the, the fact that we play in the off-season, mm-hmm. let's say, of typical uh, basketball seasons affords us the ability to get the best players. And because we've proven that there's a pathway through the CBL to the NBA or to better contracts in the G League or overseas, then more and more players want to play in the CBL for all those reasons uh, above. So we're the benefactors of that. You know, in the beginning, in 20, late 2017, 2018, People would have thought we were insane to play when we play. But, you know, we, we just found that there was a niche there. Mm-hmm. And there was a way, and we saw all these Canadians that were coming home and just having to train in the offseason. So we knew there was a captive audience. Now it was just about convincing them that we knew what we were doing, and, and, uh, and we've done that. So we just have to continue to do that. 
So you have the you have the the CEBL plus uh, for the streaming and to watch the games. You have your app. Uh, do you still hope to get the, a deal done with like CBC or something to get still be on TV for uh, for this coming season as well? Yeah. So we just wrapped up our our partnership with CBC. We're obviously mm-hmm. in in the midst. We have been for a while. Okay. Uh, broadcast uh, rights negotiations, not just here in Canada, but in the U.S. and in in international. I saw NBA TV well. yesterday had the game for uh, for yeah. Yep. NBA TV Canada. So we're trying to you know spread our wings and 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 you know be on as many places as possible. So in the coming month or so, we will probably have a, a big announcement about uh, where we're heading for 2023 and beyond, which is really exciting Good. for us. And um, you know we, we've been working hard on, it and I think now it's it's starting to it's starting to really pay off and. And being on, you know, um, sports stations or or similar type um, stations that allow you the exposure that sports entities need is going to make us, you know, vault to the next level as well. So I think everything combined and, and everything goes to plan. And, and again, I don't want to, I'm a bit superstitious, so I don't want to say <laughs> too much, but... We certainly have a lot of really good conversations ongoing, and and we're hopeful to be able to share some of those things in the next month or so. Good. That's what I want to hear for sure. One more for you, Mike. Uh, Last night, some history down in Los Angeles. LeBron passing Kareem, number one all-time on the NBA scoring list. Doesn't matter the sport. We we can't deny what King James has done for uh, all sport and culture. But how did you uh, take in last night if you saw that one? Well, funny enough, I didn't catch it, take it in live because I, I, we had a game. Yeah. So when it was wrapping up, I was caught doing a million other things. But, <laughs> uh, but it's certainly a memorable moment. And I think, you know, when I look at our players specifically, they are all the individuals that look up and have followed, you know, uh, LeBron since he entered the league. So this is kind of a really cool moment for that generation. Mm-hmm. Certainly my generation, but it's a lot older. Um, but for this generation, LeBron is is the goat and you know to imagine a guy that plays at that size um to be able to do the things he he does is is incredible and you know in my last five years or so of being around basketball and international basketball and seeing incredibly talented players that would blow your mind to think that lebron is even better than that Mm -hmm. is, is hard to imagine quite frankly so i think we're blessed we live in a time that you know, athletes now take care of their bodies and invest in themselves, and, and now we're seeing what they can do. Um, it really is a, a fun time to to be involved in basketball, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you for this chat. Hopefully we see you down here in Calgary uh, end of May and have you in and for a chat for the for the surge, uh first game. Absolutely. You'll see me around there soon, that's for sure. All right, buddy. Thanks. That's Mike Morreale. From, uh, he's the commissioner and uh, co-founder of the CEBL, and he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Mike Morreale, also a very, very, very good CFL player in his day with the Toronto Argonauts and the Hamilton Tiger Cats, doing a lot of good work for growing the game of basketball in this country. Uh, up next, uh, we'll play uh, a little bit of a, a food chat we had with uh, the executive chef from Pat and Betty, uh, Mike Pigeot, as uh, he'll get you set up for all your spread that you want for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Wings, nachos, Philly cheesesteak, whatever the heck Kansas City ribs are. You know what? I mean, I know what they are, but you know, you know what I mean, like, there's so many different barbecues in the United States. What's 
you know, North Carolina, St. Louis, Kansas City. It's all over the place. Anyway, that's next uh, as uh, Big Show Hour 4 rolls on. You're on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.